thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. Yeah, amen. Hey, it's good to see all of you. Uh, If you love Jesus, say, I do. Hey, uh, we're going to start a new series today uh, called Family. More on that in just a moment. But I just want to encourage you. Great job at the way that you worship. I love the way that um, we're going after it today. I know it's easy to worship when we sing Delirious from the 90s. My heart burns for you. I mean, like, ain't nothing more anointed than that except for Keith Green in the 80s. I was a little more anointed than that, but that was amazing. And, uh, but I love the way that you, uh, that you worship. And so I think that says a lot. And so great job to you. And uh, I know that um, coming together as the body and worshiping God on Sunday morning is so significant. And so thank you for doing that. Uh, I want to give you a couple big announcements that are, that's going on as we uh, move forward into the summer. First of all, summer. Every, every young person said amen. Yeah, summer, 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 summer. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, it's a bigger deal in my house than it is here because uh, you're out of school, baby. And uh, anyway, but uh, we have some strategic things coming up this summer that I just want to make sure that you're aware of. First is uh, one of the times that sometimes you have more margin uh, than the rest of the year is summer where you're going to fill that space with something. And I want to encourage all of us to have our vacations, to rest well, whatever it might look like, and to pray about, think about, consider uh, looking at what it might look like for you to be a part or lead a small group this summer. I think some of the most strategic ones, we do an eight-week semester where... uh, In the summertime, it's a time where you can be outside, specifically people with little children. It's an easier time to meet at a park or somebody's backyard. And uh, so I want to invite you to think about what it would look like eight weeks. June 12th will be the start time. But what would it look like for you to be a part of a summer small group? It might be your first one. And for some of you, uh, that could be great because maybe you think, wow, 13 weeks in the middle of the year, that sounds like a lot. Maybe a first step for you might be a summer small group. That could be good. I want to encourage you to next month, Uh, June 28th through 30th, we'll have Bold Conference, uh, which is going to be great. Yeah. And uh, so right now we have hundreds of young people coming from from 19 different local churches, 11 different states at this time. There'll be more by the time we get there. So it's a fun moment where we have young people, teenagers, young adults come. They come to Kansas City. And really a part of the heart of our church is to make a difference in the next generation. And so uh, it's going to be a powerful time. And some of the people that um, have served in the past, those three days, have said that was the moment where God touched their heart and they loved actually serving or fell in love with next generation or instead of laying out at the pool for three days or doing something else for three days, serving people. I think it's great. I think it's one of the great moments to even just look and see what God is doing. Uh, So that's going to be an amazing time. It's fun to see as all the coach buses start coming in and uh, just tons of teenagers start jumping off these buses. Here's what, uh, here's what I learned after doing 20 years of youth ministry. They grow up to be real people. And so I just want to encourage you, uh, don't categorize them like, oh, you know, like the, I, I, don't, I don't do the teenager thing. No, no, no. This is a great opportunity to uh, serve and jump all in and make a difference. Actually, if you go to our website uh, on that front page where it says event registration, you can click that and you can actually serve for just one session. So Paul Barker's made it very easy. You don't have to do all three days. You could just say, I can do the night sessions or I can do just the mornings or I can do two sessions or whatever. And we would love to do that uh, for you. It'll be a great time to serve. It's going to be awesome. Okay, last one is this, and that is 
If you're traveling this summer and you're not able to jump into a small group, I want to invite you to be a part of our weekly prayer meeting on Wednesday nights when you can. So maybe you're gone, maybe you travel for work and you're not able to make kind of a weekly commitment or you, don't, you haven't jumped on like a Zoom small group. I think one of the ways that you can develop relationships and get really connected is through our, our, our prayer meeting that we have on Wednesday nights. It's one hour, 6.30, 7.30. It's a great way to pray, uh, pray the scriptures, meet people, drink some coffee, and uh, develop some friendships. So anyway, I want to encourage you, make this summer count. Uh, if you can even think about how can I grow as a disciple of Jesus this summer, like, category, like, like I'm not going to just waste the summer. I'm going to make it great. So, um, all right, we're in this series and uh, I'm calling it family. And here's kind of the big idea. We'll pray in just a minute. But I think that, uh, so there was a word that, that, that Banning gave when he was here about a year ago, maybe. And, and he, maybe it's two years ago, I can't remember. But he, he, he spoke a sermon and the idea was that the church is a family. And the whole philosophy was that it's easy for the church to function like a business in American culture if we tolerate that. But we are the family of God. And because we're the family of God, we operate in a different way. So I just started to do some research on that, study that, because I could feel it kind of as a burden. Like, okay, I feel like this is really right for the DNA of our church. It's something that we carry. And in studying that, I'm amazed by all the different pieces that connect like us as a spiritual family and leading your own family. Like real wisdom for parents. And so I want to go into a series where we're going after what it means to be a spiritual family. We're just going to call it family. And some of the things that we talk about as being the family of God are just able to just use as you lead your family. And so let's, let's go after today. I want, to, I want to go after a family filled with the favor of God or a favored family. So I want to invite you to stand with me real quick. We're going to read out of Philippians chapter two. Can you stand with me and let's read this together. It says this, and then I'll pray. Famous text, probably one that many of you know well, but I want to take this and I want to apply this specifically to what it looks like to be a spiritual family and in our own families. It says this, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love. So there's four things here. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, he sets it up, number one. Number two, if any comfort from his love, number three. If any common sharing in the spirit, number, number three. Number four, if any tenderness and compassion, we get a then right there. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Here it is. Rather in humility. Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Father, in Jesus' name, we ask that you would help us, God, to live this famous text in our context as our church family and God within our own families. I pray for every person that is uh, a, a kid, a, a child, or a teenager. I pray that you would help them to place the interests of others above themselves. God, I lift up every single person that's here. I pray that in this family, they could not believe the cultural lie to put self first, but I pray that you could help them to put others before self, interest of others over self-interest. Father, I lift up every parent with all that they've got going, with all that it means to provide and to raise children in a culture that is so unbelievably immoral. And I pray that you would strengthen them. I pray, Lord, for your help. I ask, Lord Jesus, that you would give us 
your strength. Not just ideas, Lord Jesus, or, or a warning, or I ask that we would get the, the favor and the help of God to live with the favor of God, living with humility. We love you and we honor you. And everybody said amen. Maybe seated. Uh, have you ever experienced culture shock? Maybe you've traveled to a different country and experienced where the values, the attitudes, obviously when you go to a different culture, then you've got different foods and you've got different ways of living. But have you ever experienced that culture shock? It's where you're disoriented because you're in a place that's fundamentally different to, than what you're used to. It's, it's, so, it's, it's, it's so different in what's valued. It's so different in the way that they live that you just go into culture shock. It's just, you're disoriented. I experienced that when I was in the eighth grade. Um, I, I went, what, I was gonna be gone for three days uh, with a friend of mine, and his, he invited me to go with him on his vacation, but the three days turned into 10 days. And so I was gone for 10 days. Got to skip two weeks of school. Woo-hoo, that was amazing. And, uh, but I'll never forget going and being a part of his family for 10 days. And even just that, we'll be back in three days, but we were gone for 10. That was very different than the culture of my family, right? My dad's left brain. If we say we're going to be gone three days, probably going to be gone through three days. But then there was, there was just the, way, the attitudes and the way that they lived and the way that they slept and the way that they ate and the way that they talked and what they valued. I mean, I was experiencing massive eighth grade, 10 days, culture shock, different family. I remember we would go to Blockbuster. Remember Blockbuster? I don't think it's a thing in the past anyway. Uh, but we go to Blockbuster every night, not one night, every night. We went to, I mean, I grew up in a house where we didn't go to movies and we could only watch TV shows that had Michael Landon in it. Bonanza, Little House on the Prairie, Highway to Heaven, that's it. That was it. I don't know what it is about Michael Landon, but bam, if that had that, we could watch it. Everything else, boom, out. And so, so for us to go, and we would rent one, two, three, four movies, and so it'd be like $12, which in $12, you know, in 1991, that was like, I mean, I, whew, I mean, my family spent less of that than, than McDonald's. I mean, it was a lot at Blockbuster, and we'd stay up till four in the morning watching movies as part of that family. And I just remember thinking, where am I? This is, this is different. This is a family that operates with a fundamental different value system than the family that I operate in. And imagine with me, here's Paul writing to a church, Philippi, talking about how to operate, what it looks like. And we read out of Ephesians 3, that, that video just a moment ago, and, and, and where, where we get from Paul, where he talks about that we're part of God's family, a spiritual family. We make up the family of God. And imagine with me what it would look like if the people of God, the kingdom people, so valued the values of the king, so operated in the way that the king operates, that when they entered into our Sunday morning gathering, our prayer meeting on Wednesday nights, the small groups across the city, experience the conferences that we put on, the way that we do life together, they go, this is culture shock because they live in a culture that's all individualism. They live in a culture that's all about them. So we live in a day where it's all about even making yourself a product. Be, you, you too can be a celebrity if you put, post this many pictures and you tell this much about your life and you look this good. So we live in a culture that's so much about you that it's not just what you want, it's about people celebrating you. Make yourself a celebrity and the temptation for us as church people is to keep some of the individualism that exists in the world and just smother it 
into a little bit of biblical values, walk in here and just look a little bit like the world, a little bit like church. But imagine with me if people that are hardwired, they're in a culture where it's all about themselves. If they step into a culture that looks like the king and they're around people that consider themselves kingdom siblings, like we look like our, we look like our spiritual father. We look like our heavenly father. So much so that there's a little bit of disoriented. This is different. The way that these people value their God and value each other, love God and love people, it's, it's fundamentally different. It looks different. It's, it's, it's so foreign compared to, and that, that, that's hard because what, what, we, what we tend to do is we tend to just kind of mix it a little bit. We, go, we add a little bit. We add what we like of the scriptures and we add maybe what's easy But the way of Jesus, the way of the kingdom is that we look like our father. And I was thinking about the the dynamic of that as a spiritual family and looking at even in our own personal families where where we're, we're wanting and we're aiming to intentionally have our families look like Christ. And I was actually reading this book that uh, it's by John Tyson's phenomenal book. And, and he talks about, it's, it's called the intentional father. And he breaks down five different kinds of fathers. And I just loved the way he broke it down. He talked about the, the, he talked about the irresponsible father, which basically just disconnected, not paying attention, kids growing up. And I'm just not, I'm not even, I'm not even there, not present, just irresponsible. And then he talked about the ignorant father, ignorant father. They, they know a little bit they're, they're, they're physically present, but emotionally and intellectually absent from raising children. And then he talked about the inconsistent father. And this is one who basically tries to meet his own needs and then uh, balance out family with what he really desires and kind of tries to juggle both desires. And, and then he, he talked about the involved father and the involved father gets some things right, gets a lot of things wrong and is present, tries some, does a whole lot of really good things kind of to keep the darkness out. And then the last one is, and this is the premise of the book, and this is just the first chapter where then he talks about the book about being an intentional father. And the last one is the intentional father that is looking strategically. And the thing that I noticed in the book is you can talk about it a lot of different ways, but one of the core things is it's just the father that decides to put his children above self and lay down his life to be an intentional father. Like when you get down to the root of it, it's Philippians 2. Looking at the interest of my children over my own interests. Like literally becoming the servant of all. Like, like looking for the way that you can look at who they are, what the calling is on their life, and at the core, real brief summary in a sentence, is putting the interests of others above self. I was thinking about how, um, you know, I love the, my favorite movie line, which by the way, eighth grade, got to watch more movies. Now I've seen movies. So uh, not just Michael Landon, but, but when I look at the, the, the movies that capture my heart, I love the movies that have like the epic father that's gonna, it's Denzel Washington that's gonna like, you know, take on a whole hospital, you know, so he can save his son or it's Mel Gibson, you know, who's gonna, who's gonna go find his son who's been kidnapped or or, you know, those kind of storylines. Liam Neeson, you know, has been, his child's been taken and he's going to go find him. And that storyline, that does really well at the box office because it captures a piece of what's in our heart, which is to live for something bigger than self-interest, to live for something better than putting me first. 
And yet, for 99.9% of us, it's not a big moment where for three days we go beat some people up. That makes a great blockbuster movie for summertime. For most of us, it looks like three or four or five decades of laying my life down every day, of just consistently saying, I'm going to put your, your interests above my own. Real easy to read in Philippians 2. Real hard to live in Kansas City in 2022. And I want to invite us today to look at what it means for us to simply grow in the laying our lives down as a spiritual family for each other and laying our lives down in our own families. Philippians chapter two, this idea is real simple. It's that humility is the secret sauce of a supernatural family. Humility is the, is the secret sauce of supernatural community. Secret sauce. It's like, this is the thing that when we get this, when we, when we get this in our system, when we get this in our heart, really hard to get because it's contrary to the culture. But Paul's fighting, he's fighting for unity. And he's, the way that he approaches that is lay your life down. It's actually interesting when you read this because you go, Paul, what's spoiling your joy? Because he says, it's make my joy complete. And if you read Philippians 1, you could go, huh, Paul's not upset, Philippians 1.15. He, the fact that there are people that are preaching the gospel out of envy, that, that's, that's not ruining his joy. He's like, well, as long as the gospel is preached, I'm all right. And then you keep going and he's even staring at death and he's chained to a prison guard. And even in Philippians 1 right there, he says, hey, to live is Christ, to die is gain. So death isn't going to rob me of my joy. And even these people that have got all this mixed motives, as long as the gospel is, that's not going to rob me of my joy. But the, the thing they saying, here's what could rob me of my joy. Here, make my joy complete is this. He says, walk in unity. Lay your life down for others. Put the interests of others above self. In my view, it's one of the hardest things to do in my culture because we tend to try to use church or use community to consume it, to try to get people to just, like we consume everything else, instead of a Christ-like mentality that says, I lay my life down for the sake of others. I'm gonna put others first. And the enemy comes along and he lies to us. The enemy is a liar. It's who he is. He's the father of lies. And he lies to you about spiritual family. So he, the, the enemy wants you to be offended. The enemy wants you to be isolated. The enemy wants you to choose to, to step out in any, in any way that he can. And that is one of, the, one of the things that the enemy just sends like lasers at your mind coming after trying to disconnect you from spiritual family. And I think one of the lies that the enemy says is that spiritual family should be easy, right? Like it should be simple. We love easy. We love simple. Oftentimes, we're discipled by Netflix more than we're discipled by the scriptures. And so we see sitcoms and we see, we, we see entertainment. And oftentimes, family, it's all wrapped up at the end of the, of the TV show. You know, whether it's whatever sitcom or even Little House on the Prairie, Mom. I mean, Pa always figured out how to be the hero at the end and everybody. I mean, I mean every, Laura could almost die 17 times, but somehow Pa saved her at the end and it, all, it, it always turned out that way. But in real life, community's messy. Community's hard. Community, living as a spiritual family can be a struggle. And so I want to invite you, though, that in, in entering into that struggle, there is a place 
where you find the life of Christ, family of God, loving each other, serving each other, praying for each other, being close to one another in the middle of the pain, helping one another, walking together. And it's the way of the kingdom. And you'll be surprised how even when you walk with people in their darkest moment, how that's the moment where you develop a real relationship. That it's not just the highs. Actually, it's in the lows. It's in the struggle that community life starts to flourish. So Nathan and I, we're close friends, and we've had some really high moments. But you know, with some of the moments that we've really got close is summer of 2017 when it was like 100 degrees in July and we were at Leewood Middle School and ain't everybody left. And there's like five of us and Nathan and I in tank tops and trailers and Nathan's just praying he had a stronger senior pastor. I mean, like there were days where it was hard, but it's in those days that we look back and we smile and we go, those are good days. And when you walk with somebody in the midst of the struggle and the challenge in the middle of community context and you're there with them in the challenging moments, that's actually your opportunity. And if you're the parent and you enter into suffering with your child, you know that value. You know, I know that the greatest moments for me as a child, as a teenager, with my own parents, it's not the moments where I was successful. It's not the moments where I was getting the applause. It's not, those moments are easy. Those those moments of parenting, it's hard to remember. Here's the moments. It's the moments where you walk through the challenging moment the trial, the difficulty, and they enter into that suffering, they enter into that pain, enter into that difficulty. So it works in community life and it also works in parenting. It's you're going after in that challenging moment. I love to tell the story. I've said it a lot, but when I was 16, I'll never forget the moment where I was facing this difficulty, this trial. And I, I, if you've been around radio, you'll hear, you'll hear this for years and years. But I... <laughs> I had a mullet, 16. I mean, that was the trial, but uh, not really. And, and I just remember the moment when I just, on a Tuesday night, just began to break down and tell my dad about what I was going through. And instead of, instead of just giving me a cliche answer and moving on, my dad goes and cancels his board meeting, which in church world is a big deal. And goes and cancels the board meeting and, and says, son, we've got all night. Let's go. We talked for four hours. Gave a good tip. Don't worry. Waitress was all right. That's the moment. Entering into that pain. And the truth is, it wasn't actually a logical pain. Like when I look back, it was cray cray. Like the fact that it was such a big deal to me, but it, was, it, it only showed my immaturity. But it showed my father's maturity to enter into it and listen and ask questions be there. So because we live in a culture that says it's all about you, it's all about individualism, we don't necessarily enjoy it when community's hard. But let me tell you this. When you enter into fellowship and you love people and you walk with them, it's actually in those difficult, challenging moments where when it's hard, it's challenging that you win. Spiritual family, another lie that the enemy says is that spiritual families aren't trustworthy. Pastor Brandon did a great job uh, about a year ago where he talked about the idea of church hurt. Here's the core on this one. At the core, we will, we will choose to step out of community because we've been hurt. But listen, Jesus tells us, Matthew 18, to forgive 70 times seven. So you're not, you're not the only one that has been hurt. In fact, 
probably, it's highly probable that every single person that's here today could tell you a story where they've been hurt. Here's what we do. We go back and we choose to forgive over and over again. Forgiveness is a part of community life. But if you're in a culture where we just live for self, if you live in a culture where I put my own interests over your interests, then every time I'm offended, I walk. So I'm out. But when we choose, okay, the Jesus way, the kingdom way, these are my kingdom siblings and my responsibility is to forgive. Last one is this. I think a lot of times the enemy comes along and says spiritual family or community. It's not really needed. It's just kind of made up or it's for somebody else, but it's not for you. You're okay to just be isolated. I want to invite you, not only biblically, like do we have commands? Hebrews tells us to not give up meeting together. Hebrews 10, 25. But I want to invite you that you will find yourself flourishing in the context of spiritual family, in the context of community, instead of isolating. It will always be the temptation to isolate and pull away. Listen, 1 Peter 5, just want to read this one. It says this, in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility. It's the same word, toward one another, because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, as a result of that, because of that, the therefore is why, what's it there for? Well, because that principle is true, and we find that in James, we find that in Proverbs. It's, it's, it's a, it comes all the way through the, the scriptures. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. So God opposes. When you think about Parenting, or when you think about engaging in spiritual family, if you can get this idea that God's favor is connected to my humility, and even in the context, the only way that you can, that you can walk in that is, is, I mean, this whole context here in 1 Peter is, it's in, it's in community. This is the idea. Submit yourselves to your elders. Doing life together. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. One another, one another. Love one another. It's all the way through the New Testament, this idea of together, one another. It is true. It is easier to forget people. It is true that it's easier for you to just say, I'll do it by myself. And that's what the enemy wants you to do because you've got just this little bit of time as a kingdom sibling, as living as a son or a daughter. I'm no longer a slave to sin. I'm, I'm a child of God in this season, in these decades to live as a family, serving. And if you isolate, you don't have the opportunity. If you're not in community, if you're not a part of a spiritual family, if you're not engaging the spiritual family, you don't have the opportunity to walk in that kind of humility. And if you don't have that kind of humility, then you don't have that kind of favor. And you want that kind of favor. I mean, when you, when you recognize the favor of God, all of us know what it's like to say that family has the favor of God or that spiritual family has the favor of God. I, I think, I, I, I love talking about family. It's one of my favorite subjects. I like books on it because I just, I'm, I'm really into my family and I really like church. I've loved church my whole life. I, I love those. And if you get down to what I think is 
central. And at the core, it's this idea of plain old rugged. I'm going to put the interests of others above self. And that's really hard because that's the opposite of everything that we're taught in our culture. But that's the secret sauce. I'm telling you, if you get that humility, it's not a three-day Denzel Washington run. It's not a three-day epic movie. It is decades of laying my life down. And you get that, and God gives you the wake. That looks like my son, Jesus. Jesus, that Philippians 2, who Jesus chose to go lower and lower. Jesus, incarnation, God chooses to become a man. And not just to become a man, but then to be the kind of man that washes feet like slaves would, like servants would. And not just that, but to go even lower and go to the cross and die like a criminal in your place for your sin. So he's our example. And that example is so hard to live in my culture. Because my culture says, no, make my life better for me. Every decade, get a little bit nicer, a little bit more comfortable, and then make it nicer for my children one day and work on my life getting better and better and better comfort-wise. Instead of, how low can I go? Sounds like limbo, you know. How low can I go? But that's the story of Jesus. That's, that's the story of Paul. Paul's a great example, because Paul, when he starts off, he says, I'm the, I'm the least of the apostles, which is like saying, I'm 13th place, everybody. And then he goes a little bit longer, and about midlife, he goes, maybe, maybe, and he goes, I'm all the way to the end of his life where he's, I'm chief among sinners. You look at that spectrum that I'm, I'm the lowest of the apostles all the way to I'm chief among sinners. And you see the spectrum of going lower. And I just want to invite you, man, when I look at our lives as a church, if we can, if we can get this into our culture, and this can become kingdom culture at Radiant Church, I think we'll experience the favor of God. I think that, because God opposes the proud but gives favor or gives grace. You need grace. You need favor. I need grace. I need favor. And when you just get that little, just God at work, it changes everything. When you just feel like you've got that little wind at your back, just wind in your sails, just God opening doors, God at work, God opposes. I mean, opposes pride, but gives grace, strength, favor. The Greek word there can be favor, can be grace to the humble. Oh, then it makes something that I, that I fight for. And the context where it can flourish is in spiritual family or in community. When I was uh, growing up, I grew up in northern Idaho, and uh, one of my friends was uh, a farmer's son. And um, we were kind of opposites. I was the preacher's son in the city, and he was the farmer's kid, and, but we were good buddies. And uh, when, we would go, uh, when I would go to his house, in one of the, his barns, they had snowmobiles. And um, snowmobiles in northern Idaho, <laughs> are really cool because there's so much snow on the ground for so much of the year. But there's a good chunk of the summertime where there is no snow. And no matter how many thousands of dollars they spent on those snowmobiles, the only time that it had the potential to be used 
was in the snow. Simple illustration, but listen. The, the place where you can show humility, Christ-like humility, is in the context of community and being spiritual family. That's the place, and that's the place where you experience the favor of God. And so if you just isolate, and I'm not saying it has to be present on a Sunday morning, man, bam, bam, bam. You can do some, show some intentionality online, show some intentionality in small groups, serving who you are during the week. But if you isolate and just try to do this Christian life on your own, you don't get into the environment, into the place where you can exude and show Christ-like humility. So imagine being a part of the family of God, where I am intentionally choosing to go low. Put others above self. And I'm intentionally going to the place. So I rearrange how I think. And I'm telling you, this, is, this requires getting into the presence of God, getting with him, being alone with him, and saying, Father, I've, I've left. You know, in John 8, Jesus actually tells people, calls people sons of the devil. You know, it's a strong statement. But God, I've got a new family. I'm a part of your family. So I'm not making choices based upon my culture. I'm not making it based upon even the, the way that other people justify. I'm measuring it based upon what I read in these scriptures about what Jesus is like. What I read in the, in the word of God about what it means to live as a, as a son or a daughter in the kingdom. This is, this is how I live my life. And so God, I pray for your help. I want to look like my father. You live like that as a son or daughter. Uh, Nathan said the other day, it was really fun. We're doing these, these small groups at the, at the warehouse that are prayer meetings. And uh, some, two of my teenage kids started leading prayer meetings in the spring semester. And Nathan said, those kids pray just like you. He's like, they scream like you, they spit like you. And I thought, oh, I love that. Well, that's, a, that's a highlight of my day. I mean, you know, like, and, and here's the thing. When you get, spend a lot of time with your father, you, you, you tend to act like your father, spit like your father, scream like your father. That's my dream for us. My dream for each one of you is that when people walk in this house, I mean, they walk in and they go, and I'm not saying it's just on a Sunday. I'm just saying the culture of the house. The culture of the house looks so foreign. It's different. They've, they have different value system. Everything I watch on Netflix, everything I listen to on the radio, everything that I'm told on the news tells me, they're, they're trying to disciple me. I know that's a big word, but, 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 but man, when I get around those radiant disciples, those radiant people, man, they got, they got a different gig going on. They have different values because they're a part of the family of God. And so what's in the, the, their father's heart lives in their hearts. Imagine you getting the privilege of just stepping out of being isolated and on your own that we sang the song a minute ago about I'm no longer a slave. I'm a child of God. Just the privilege of that. Just the privilege of being one of God's kids. Oh, David, I know I've been singing songs since I was little. No, no, no. Fresh day, new day. No, I'm a, I am, I'm a child of God. 
this, it's, 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 it's the opportunity to, to, to live different. I'm so grateful. So I had new birth, salvation into a new family. Mm, that's what we celebrate. We celebrate every Sunday when people say, yes, I'm going to follow Jesus. Hey, oh, welcome to the family of God. Every time we go right out here and we have people that are baptized, it's this public declaration. I have joined. I want everybody to know I got a new last name. I'm part of God's family. <laughs> I used to be alone. Not anymore. Abba, I belong to you. I got a father. It's a different day. And I come together and I gather with the saints and I partake of communion and we feast together. We got a different way of feasting. We're feasting on Christ instead of feasting on yet another buffet on 135th. It's something better. I'm feasting on Christ. That's my dream for us. So we would have a culture in the house that looks so different. We got a kingdom culture that doesn't look like American culture. And I'm not picking on America. I mean the world. You can do that. Go, go to other places in the world. Messed up. Uh, but, but we have a tendency to just be like the people we're around. And they influence us. I've had the privilege of going to India and Tibet. I've been to Nepal. I've been to South America. I've been to Africa. I've been all over the world. And you can go and you can get around people. And they tend to act alike. But one of the most fun things is to find Christ followers in the middle of a tribe in Africa and, and, and they're worshiping and they're kind and they pick up your 10-year-old boy and they kiss him and they give him gifts and they've got kingdom culture in a place completely different because they've been with their father. So imagine people step into our space and they go, ah, wow. Oh guys, it's the privilege. It's the privilege of the ages. I'll just close with this. I was uh, reading about Walt Disney who had a daughter that was adopted. So he had one biological daughter and then he had one adopted daughter. And I was just thinking about the adopted daughter. Her name's Sharon. I only know that because of Google. But think about the moment that you're adopted and you find out my dad is Disney of Disneyland. I've been adopted. Tomorrowland it's mine. Fantasyland, it's mine. Mickey Mouse, what's up? The food place. I mean, you wake up and you go, I went from being an, a, a, a person with no family <laughs> to my dad owns Disneyland. I mean, about, I don't know, 1950s, 60s when this little girl found out that's a good day. Yours is better. Your dad made the universe. <sighs> Abba, Father, <sighs> I belong to you. I'm no longer a slave to sin. I'm a child of God. We stand with me. Let's pray together. Who is like our God? Who can compare with you? You take broken, isolated, 
hurting, disconnected people. And you place the lonely in families. And Father, we ask, Lord Jesus, let this be a house where the, the hurting, the disconnected find the family of God. Let us be people that have been so with our Father that we just sound like you. We talk like you. We have a value system that looks like our Father. God, I am so prone to be shaped and formed by other things. But God, you shape me. Take this willing heart. Take this yes. Help me. I need your help. I need your grace. I need your favor. If there's anything I've learned, I know I need your grace and I need your favor. And it's not my works. It's you, God, that transforms me. God, would you transform me? Help me to be with you and go lower and lower. I pray, Lord God, that humility would mark our house and the favor of God would mark our house. God, I pray that as we go into this summer season, that we'd be disciple makers. I pray that we'd be servants. I pray that the character of God would be present in the people of God and that this house would look like you. Today, if you go, I, I feel like I've, I've been that orphan. I've been doing life on my own. And I desire the Father to adopt me. 10 million times better than Disneyland being yours. Just like we talked about last week. All that I have is yours. What's available to the kingdom kids is unthinkable. But today, if you say that, I, I, I want to enter in. I want to be adopted by my heavenly father. I want to invite you to begin that journey. I invite you, if that's you, just, I'm just going to invite you to pray a prayer. It'll be just a few sentences. The, the prayer is short. The journey is long. But if that's you today, I want to invite you. Just raise your hand wherever you're at. So I want to begin that journey with Jesus. Will you repeat this prayer? Just hand raised. Just repeat this prayer. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Save me. Give me new life in God. I want to be born again and a part of your family. New birth in Christ. Father, I pray. Jesus, do a fresh work in our house. Fresh work in every son and every daughter. In Jesus' name. Amen. I invite our prayer team to come forward. And here's what we want to do. We want to take a moment. We're going we're gonna to pray over our offering. But it's in this context. It's a great moment for you just to step out and say, I'd like someone to pray for me. So if that's you, if you like prayer, I want to invite you to come forward. And I, I promise they won't keep you here for like 30 minutes. Just don't be scared. These are not scary people. These are, these are godly people. All we want to do is we want to walk with you. We want to go on the journey with you. So today, whatever you're walking through, whatever difficulty, whatever challenge you're going through, you know that going on that journey with God is better than on your own. And so just let someone just take that 30 seconds just to pray over you, open up and say, here's what I need prayer for. And be real. Most of the time, people come forward and they say, hey, I need this physical thing in my body to be healed. Some people come forward and they say, hey, I have a prodigal 
child, I need you to pray. Hey, I have a friend who's not walking with Jesus. But whatever you're struggling with, whatever is on your journey, I invite you to let somebody pray for you. Father, we love you today. And God, we ask, Lord, for a supernatural summer. God, I ask, Lord Jesus, that this summer we'd see prodigals come home. God, I ask that this summer we'd see young people encounter God. Father, I ask that this summer, God, we would serve this city. I pray as we send out a team to the Dream Center in LA. I pray, Lord God, that we'd be a blessing there. God, I ask, use our church to be a little bit of, little bit of the kingdom family right here, right now in our generation. We love you. Take what we give. Use it. We honor you. In Jesus' name.